So many times we get up, go to work, do our thing, and focus on what we've got to get done without thinking about the people around us. I'm guilty of it. Well, I don't know about you, but I for one think it's time for that to change. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the Resilient Journey podcast, sponsored by ClearRisk. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today we continue our series on diversity by speaking with my good friend and massive contributor to the resilience industry, Rena Singh. Rena is the host of the Resilience Pod podcast and is chair of the BCI's Women in Resilience group. She's insightful and deliberate about empowering women in our industry to be more confident as they pursue their goals and work towards equity in the workplace. We'll jump right into my conversation with Rena Singh after we learn about a great tool for streamlining data collection from my friends at ClearRisk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis, helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Rena, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here. And first of all, congratulations on your win as BCI Europe Continuity and Resilience Contributor for 2021. That was so massively deserved. I was so happy to see you win that. And uh, I'm honored that that you agreed to do this. So, hey, before we get too far into this, tell us about yourself and how you got into resilience. Oh, Mark, thank you so much. So fun to be here. Um, Gosh, getting into resilience uh, was definitely by chance. But before I go into that, uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a resilience practitioner by day. And then in the hours in between, I am the creator of the Resilience Pod podcast, um, also the winner of the recent award, as Mark has said, from the BCI and the chair of the BCI Women in Resilience group. So back to your question, Mark, about how I got in. It was literally just by chance. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't calculated from the days of, of you university um this was by chance i was working in a role within one of the resilience disciplines uh in risk for a charity in london in the uk and my manager at that time told me to learn about business continuity so it landed basically landed on my desk uh we had a consultant um the the kind of view was we don't want the consultant when the consultant goes off into the sunset it was my job to kind of take it over so after successfully planning and implementing and exercising key business continuity plans for a corporate head office refurb uh, the project ended the, the consultant left and then I was left to then embed resilience business continuity in the whole organization and that's where I really got a taste of it And I loved it and how and where I realized the importance of a resilient organization. And during that time, there was a bonus because I was shortlisted for BCI's Newcomer of the Year back in 2015. And at that same time, Mark, I published a 
when the BCR used to do their working paper series of how I embedded business continuity via what I called an invisible framework for a charity. So that kind of basically kicked it all off for me. And Mm -hmm. as they say, the cliched word, the rest is history. You know, I talked to so many people who got into this the exact same way, almost by chance. I mm-hmm. fell into it. I was pushed into it. It landed on my desk, this kind of thing. And um, and in this case, for you, wow. I mean, we're all so fortunate that it did. Like, this really clicked with you. It did. And I felt like, yes, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And it just seemed easy for me. I mean, I say that very loosely because <laughs> there are challenges, but it was that right path. So I was quite happy with that. Great. Now, you are my second guest in what I'm considering to be the most important uh, series that I've done on the Resilient Journey podcast, and we're talking about diversity. Mm. And uh, for the last couple of episodes, we've talked to Vince Davis, uh, and he's explained some of the racial inequities in emergency management. And today, I want to focus more on gender inequality, and particularly in our profession. Now, my understanding is, and I recognize I'm coming at this from a privileged white male perspective. I get that. Mm. But it's my understanding that in general, women earn about 80% of what their male counterparts earn. Are you seeing gender-based pay gaps in resilience as well? Mark, such an interesting question to kick off the this with. And so, so prevalent. And before I go into that, it's such a taboo subject, isn't it? Talking about money, talking about salaries is something that we don't openly do, especially in Britain. <laughs> Being British is like, no, must not talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really difficult to then on the onset say, yeah, there is. But because we know there is, because it's always on the news, every organization talks about it. And luckily, in our resilience industry, we have access to the BCI's uh, free compensation report, which touches on gender and ethnic disparities in pay. And that's something that we should really look at. And I I feel like a lot of us probably don't look at this. And the, the findings are there. It's evident that women do get paid less than uh, their male counterparts. Uh, the BCI's recent study showed that um, both men and women have the same amount of work experience, but they still get paid, men still get paid more. And women are less likely, for example, to work as consultants. But those who did, which this is really interesting, Mark, got paid 11% more than their male counterparts did. So a little bit of a positive, uh, but really interested to see that. However, one thing I do want to address in this kind of pay gap gender-related issue is that the roles that typically women take on in the resilience industry and in a lot of industries make up for more administrative types of roles. So 28% at, and that's for women, whereas men only take up about 21% of those roles. So there is a gender pay gap, but it's also, there's so many different caveats to it. And one of the issue is that we're not really talking openly enough about it. We don't, on job adverts, we don't see salaries displayed. So you can't do an accurate representation. We're working in groups where you might be in team of say four or five people or 10 people, 
doing the same job but you're probably getting paid different differently but how do you know you can kind of guess but you don't really know unless you talk about it again it's that it's the taboo so the solution mark is that companies just need to stop paying women less than men for the same role there's there's a clear law uh, the equal pay act to do that but we mm-hmm. know that there's wider issues in addressing this so unfortunately there is gender pay gaps in resilience and you're right uh, part of the problem here is that it's so unknown mm-hmm. um, even a lot of job postings now uh, have moved away from posting salary ranges and things like that and it's not like it's open discussion where let's say you and I were going for the same job. And let's just say that I thought I should get $100,000 for this job. And they come in and they offer you 80, which is what that uh, disparity would be. It's not like, you know, that I wanted 100. Exactly. Right. So that becomes really, really interesting. And so to understand value of jobs by having the report that you talked about for from the BCI and things like that become really, really um, helpful to all of us uh, as we go uh, into uh, uh, interviews and things like that, but more particularly for women who have that extra obstacle to have to, to overcome. Making matters worse, it gets compounded if you're <laughs> a woman of color. I read recently that in the United States, African-American women earn 63% of their male counterparts. I mean, that's mm. just unheard of. And if you're a Latina woman, it's even worse. I think it was like 54%. Come on, that can't translate into the resilience industry at that level, does it? Or am I being naive? Sadly, it is. Um, I'm going to mention the BCI's compensation report because it also touches on on this part too. And it shows that Caucasians, and this is, we're not talking about gender yet or the ethnic background accounts for 69% more uh, pay than other ethnicities. And to top that off, there was a study done by Fawcett, um, like in the UK, um, for women of colour as well. So compared to white British men, specifically women of colour earn less per hour. And it ranges depending on like what type of women of colour you are. So for Indian women, it's 10% less. For Pakistani women, it was 28% less. So that's like extra on top of the African-American women, the Latino like women you've just mentioned, which is really interesting. To further add to, to that, when one thing we need to realize is that when we're trying to attempt to get into the workforce, for example, ethnic minority candidates have to send 60% more job applications to receive as many calls as their white British people. And I, am, I know I'm talking about just Britain here because this study was that I was reading was based on that. But this is so true, Mark. I've actually experienced it so if those of you who are listening who don't know like I am a British Indian like women of color and every time I've applied for jobs I have literally had to put in what I feel like triple the work to even get a call back and for a fact I know that people look at your name on your CV or resume and they'll be like, nah, no thanks. Uh, Because either your name's too hard to say or they just know that you associate with this background. No thanks. I've had conversations with people, with women of color friends who have specifically changed their name to a Western name to get 
on their resume to get jobs and then they've said submitted their name like original name on their cv and got rejected so there's that bias there so you it's it's true and it's sometimes it's we don't realize that these things are happening unless you're going through with it and to top that off um 31 of women of color reported in this study that they had been unfairly passed over for or denied a promotion at work again in past lives not saying currently this has been the case for me i didn't get um a job that i applied for internally because i didn't fit and look like someone who got it instead who was a white male in his 50s who looked like he had authority whereas for me I was in my mid-20s I didn't look like I had authority and I was a woman of color like essentially Mm. I know it's difficult to prove but you can kind of read between the lines when when you're going through it when that's the only feedback you get and then you're not really sure if that's legal or not so there's loads of other like caveats to this one thing mark that i want to add on this and it's really important is the pay gap because we're still talking about it hits women of color the hardest uh, because minoritized women are often invisible when it comes to representation And Mm -hmm. it's a sad fact, you know, Um, but I do want to say that our experience of womanhood collectively can't be separated from ethnicity either because the treatment we receive reflects the dual parts of our being. So unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's the system that we have that enables this and every single industry contributes to it, even our resilience one. Talk about the challenges that you had as a young woman of color in a new industry, trying to learn the ropes and feel your way through what needed to to be done. You talked about the invisible framework and so forth. What was the hardest part of that for you? It's actually being taken seriously. First by, okay, your age, uh, because it was visible that I was quite young. And the thing is, I think it's not, a lot of the time it's not conscious it's well you how do you not you're not old how do you how come you have experience why should we listen to you there's that you know the ego like traps get in the way and then it's oh you're a woman of color like some people have a a general bias against that because we're conditioned to in our society like does she understand English you know I've worked in organizations where people have come up to me and they thought I couldn't speak English and then they hear my voice and it's very Mm -hmm. like southern British accent and they're like oh okay and then obviously my ethnicity comes into it too because I've I've been on the receiving end of racism directly or indirectly in a workplace as well. So it's what I call the triple whammy, Mark, in terms of like age, gender and um like ethnicity and all those challenges I've had to navigate and just show my competence and just keep at it rather than give up. Because the thing is, we all face challenges, all of us even at various levels of privileges there's all challenges is how you approach that and how you not let it get like don't be a victim to it and I know it's easy to say that but sometimes a lot of the times the power is with us to really kind of go over that so I think what you're explaining here in the first couple of answers really ties together so I'm going to go back and talk to you about Uh, We have fewer female consultants in the industry, but those who are consulting, females are making more money. Their their hourly Mm. rates are are 11% higher, you said. Does that speak to confidence? Um, Does that speak to what you just talked about, how you respond to the challenges? 
And if so, I think this is going to lead in nicely to the Women in Resilience group. Talk about some tools that we can be giving women, particularly those who might be new to the industry, to help gain that confidence. Yeah, absolutely. It is the way we communicate and stand up for ourselves. And I'm not saying women are better at everything, um, but it's the way you hold your own. So there's studies out there that say that women always work for free or do a lot of things for free and will say yes to everything. Um, so you need to set your boundaries. You know, that's a key tip. And and that looks like saying, no, I can't take on free work because it's not in my I haven't accounted for it in my you know in my pro bono work or I don't have the capacity these are my fees and it's worth it because of x y and z I can't give a discount or I'm not uh, be willing to walk away from things as well and it's having that confidence to not automatically say I say to you Mark right I'm going to charge you £1,000 for uh, a a collaboration you're like no that's too expensive I'm only going to pay half and I immediately say oh okay fine I'm undervaluing myself Uh, Mm -hmm. you've got to have that that confidence to then stick to your guns and be willing to take that risk and I appreciate it's not easy uh, but I think that's what makes the difference is actually understanding your self-worth first and working on that before you then go out and like kind of project that on other people and it's hard it's hard because you don't get taught that as women we're we're taught inherently to be all and everything for everybody. We should accommodate everybody. We should be a team player. We should kind of not speak out of line. It's years and years of conditioning, patriarchy, all sorts of stuff that we're conditioned to do. Whereas I feel for men, you don't really think about those things. So you're the chair you mentioned of the BCI group, Women in Resilience. Explain to the listeners who might not be familiar what the group is and what you're accomplishing yeah, for sure. Um, women in resilience, like, the aim is to essentially empower and champion women working in the resilience industry by giving them not only a platform to showcase their thought leadership, but inspire, connect, form an open support system and to leverage information and opportunities so you can thrive and succeed in your career. Um Essentially, that's the the goal. And what does that mean? Well, my direction for taking that on is to focus on providing that safe space where women can feel more vulnerable and express themselves. If they're going through the situation that we've talked about, you can honestly say that and we can give each other tips um, and understanding that this whole group, this whole tribe, as we might, if you could call it, is here to help you leverage uh, like individual diverse experiences and privileges that we all have who are all members of it so to drive that forward my vision is to hear from new and diverse voices get support from allies and be the enabler of not only helping women in our resilience industry make global connections because that's really important Mm -hmm. but also give the tools to the next generation of women to have that confidence to not only break the glass ceilings to they desire but do whatever they want you know (laughs) go out and be a consultant and not be afraid of saying like okay I want 11% more or 20% more that kind of stuff I was looking at the spotlight series Mm -hmm. and I'm going to quote and I hope I get her name right Susie Ansari Smith Mm -hmm. Uh, she said something that really resonated with me she said it's important for women to have a voice 
at the table and not just a seat. I Mm. love that. I thought that was so insightful. So it's not enough to get women into the industry. We're all better served to have women as leaders in the industry. So what kind of progress are we making there? (laughs) I love this. And I'm so glad you asked this question because, Mark, the advancement of women has been a focus for business for over 25 years. Longer than that, you know, the ratio of women in top jobs uh, has virtually remained unchanged for the last 10 years. That is shocking. Hmm. So what actually have we done? It seems like nothing. You know, going back to the BCI's compensation survey, um, you know, 35% of women compared to men are still not at the top. You know, there's still a lot more men doing this. And the 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 thing is the the kind of progress we're making is so slow and idealistic it's about culture because it's so deep rooted that it's difficult to change and let's face it jobs really are still not designed that way because opportunities in terms of the way it works and perceived is still more attractive to men and what I mean by that is the way job adverts are written the expectations the biases we have like oh if a woman takes on a uh, a senior role she's going to go off and have kids blah 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 like why does that matter where, where is the flexibility designed into the job to allow for this you know essentially I feel like the human system System is kind of broken uh, because pe- people should be appointed on merit and then decide um, and give women like the, st- the the chance to still be in those top positions. But actually, we're not really doing enough of that. We started to because you know organizations are looking at this. They're putting women um, like having mentoring, you know, having that allies, putting them on courses webinars etc but mark that's not enough putting someone on a five-day course on how to be in a leadership and then checking a box and then not doing anything to follow up isn't the solution to help you know get women more women leaders in the industry if you're not giving them the opportunities in the correct way because it's business politics right it's the culture normally you'll just hire someone because you know oh they're good rather than actually putting the job advert out and getting that diverse pool of candidates because money in business business there is money in diversity and in thought rather than like just being mediocre and hiring whoever looks like you and sounds like you because it's easy and you literally can't be bothered so there's a lot to be done about that and then on top of that the, the going back to the quote that Susie said like you know it's not just about having a seat but a voice well are those as an ally or as a like someone who's actually seeing that are you stopping that voice uh, because of a your ego or you just don't like it because there's a woman on top or you've got that unconscious bias that you don't actually realize because then the woman has to act differently. So that makes her inaccessible to not only male counterparts, but other women because they're perceived in a certain way. We've been talking a lot through the last few answers here about the word ally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you just said, you know, as a man, are you stopping this because you're uncomfortable? I'm going to say it's not enough to say I'm not stopping it. What are we doing Mm -hmm. to move it forward? So as a man in the industry, I have a responsibility to be an ally. So explain what that means exactly. Yeah, I, I, I will do like before I go into anything else. It's important for us to understand that an ally is 
any person that actively promotes and aspires to advance the culture of inclusion through intentional positive and conscious efforts that benefit people as a whole but for women in resilience and for those who want to specifically support women this is key to note here is that simply joining the women in resilience group which is welcome to everyone because i appreciate you know the value of allyship it just doesn't make you an ally straight away right, right? all the things that i've said acting sustainably and doing the work to improve the overall system does and mark you're going to ask me like okay well how do i do that like you've you've like you've told us what it means you said how it relates to women and resilience but then what can i actually take away and do well i've actually got three tips um for you and for anybody who's listening who might be interested in these are not like in any particular order uh but it's a start <laughs> to to kind of get your yourself talk, uh, thinking about this and the first tip is actually educating yourself and I, I know that seems really simple but to you've got to try to actively understand the challenges women and other minorities if you're not interested if you're interested in other sex to face so you've got to let go of the fear of being wrong and never underestimate someone based on your assumptions because that's where we get that disparity right that's why women are not on the top you get ethnic minority and that representation is not there because you're not getting that chances you've got to kind of like look at look within basically and think am I actually biased to this and then am I projecting that on and realizing that and actually doing the research yourself so don't expect someone to tell you what it's like like yes they will but that's not your only source of information you need to go out and do the research yourself um secondly which I think this is quite important, is you need to take a stand when groups become a target for unjust treatment. Okay, what that means is, and this is the most important part of being an ally, is to speak out when and act when an individual group or person is being targeted. So like that, voice in you've got a table at the seat but not a voice and someone is cutting off a female and you can see it clearly happening are you sitting there as an as a person around the table and just not saying anything when you know for a fact that they've been cut off because nobody wants to hear what they say and and have you said anything or you just thought to yourself oh well that was a bit crappy they shouldn't Mm -hmm. have done that but you've completely ignored it it's those it's so simple it's very little steps to do because I tell you from experience that is the most annoying thing to happen and it happens to date for me and I'm sure for a lot of women who for example who are listening to this you you're around a room you you're in an industry where it is still heavily male dominated there is a lot of females coming into our industry but most of the time in certain organizations it's a lot of men you're saying something and people interrupt you and then no one says anything. And then you've got to say, hold on, I haven't finished, but you've got to have that confidence. So speak right. out and support support the person um, in that. Thirdly, yep. which is really important and touches on everything we've talked about today is promote leadership to help women and other minorities who may not traditionally take on leadership positions to progress, find opportunities, or even recommend them for a role or give them a platform if they don't have one. I find this really important because personally, when I came into the industry, I didn't have um, the privilege to have a platform. I had to fight really hard for it. In the end, I gave up and started my own platform. 
Okay, that's why yeah. my podcast, my blog exists, and I'm doing all this stuff because I've had to consciously, and I made the effort to consciously put myself out there and create something which I wasn't getting the opportunities to do. But a lot of people are not like me, they don't have that same personality type. So actually, if you know someone and you know, they're good, why not give them a platform, if you can, and if you it aligns to your values, you shouldn't do it just because, oh, yeah, they're person of color, I'm just going to have lots of people of color on just to fill a quota. No, that's not being an ally. So it's got to align to your views too. And if you can, that's a really good way to champion someone. Now with allyship, you can there's different levels of it right you can go from one being an ally to one person a group of people or like literally everyone so let's start off with just being trying to be an ally to one person (laughs) okay like it's scary trying to like do like figure out a whole group when there's so many like intersectionalities right there's like there's different uh economic backgrounds races and all sorts it's just so complex so even if you make a difference to one person that's still that's still a great place to start and without that um it's really difficult for people in those marginalized communities to really get ahead and i personally value that because i've got i've had so many allies do that for me champion me when i'm not there be part of me like trust in my process you know mark you are one of them when i started my blog and my podcast you were there like it wasn't as popular and you champ like you were there like seeing my vision and coming on board like using your connections using your privilege to actually be like okay there's something in her that i see i'm happy to go on and help and then be part of my crazy ideas <laughs> right and then like come on to it and actually support it that makes the difference yeah it, it really it, does all right i'll get you out of here on this how can people connect with you and uh, reach out to you if they want to know more about all of this yeah so you can find me on linkedin arena singh or type in resilience pod you'll see my name everywhere and just give me a shout i'm uh, literally if you just type in resilience pod you will see me and I'm happy to connect with anybody who wants to talk about um, all these issues, women and resilience, if you want to support, because together we can create a better space for everyone to benefit. I love it. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Bye for now. A big thanks to my very special guest today, Rena Singh. And a huge thanks, as always, to my friends at Clear Risk for sponsoring The Resilient Journey. If you're still doing risk management via spreadsheets and other manual tools, I would encourage you to head on over to clearrisk.com. We wrap up our series on diversity next week when I'm joined by two of my co-founders of the Resilience Think Tank, Lisa Jones and Andreas Bryant. They'll talk to us about an article they're about to release on diversity, and we'll find out what matters most to them on this important topic. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.